Hello and welcome to Simple Self-Care by Naturally Randy Kay. This is a podcast dedicated to simplifying the healing journey by aligning your self-care practices with your own inner wisdom and the natural cycles outside and within. Though self-care has become quite the buzzword, it's actually a vital tool that can fit beautifully into your everyday life. Join me as we explore how to create a deep and meaningful relationship with ourself naturally, intentionally, and simply. Hello again, my friends, and here we are with the next episode of Simple Self-Care. And this episode is all about creating intentional, nourishing habits. The episode right before this one, episode 6.5, is all about the first step to take when establishing a new self-care habit, your self-care non-negotiable. It's a short and sweet episode and concept, but it can really change your life. So be sure to go back and take a listen to that one. But for this episode, I am deepening the topic and re-airing a conversation I had last year with my friend Anthony Ongaro from Break the Twitch. Anthony runs a membership program and a YouTube channel and even a podcast off and on, all about noticing your mindless and destructive habits, the Twitch as he calls it, and creating simple and healthy habits that help you be who you want to be in the world, which is what I'm all about. So naturally, we get along great, and we were able to have a very rich conversation on the matter. So that's why I've decided to re-air it for you, because it has a lot of good nuggets that are more important than ever to be implementing in today's ever-changing world. And because we are here in the autumn season, and it's a perfect time to establish and reestablish new habits and prepare your nest for the winter to come. Habit building is one of the best topics of the season, I think. So here we are. Anthony and I were able to get together last year before he moved from Minneapolis to Arizona, and we recorded a joint interview of sorts that we aired on both of our podcasts. And it was a lot of fun. We covered a lot of ground. So take a listen as we chat about compassionate habit setting, the importance of creating simple habits, our individual origin stories of how we've come to preach what we practice how to break the mindless twitch of habits that don't align with who we are, how to turn your personal growth and life lessons into a tangible practice, how to turn up the volume on your own inner wisdom, the power of continuing to begin again and again and again, and so much more. Enjoy. And that's a question I haven't heard from you um, yet of how you got to this point with Break the Twitch, which is your podcast, and um, really talking about how we can break habits and kind of the automatic habits that form without us even realizing it. So you seem like such a pro now, but <laughs> how did you get to this point where it's become something you're passionate enough about that it's like what you want to share with the world? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And I think you're right. I haven't really shared a lot about it. And I'm excited to hear the the same story for you as well. For me, this started 
six years ago or so, maybe seven years ago. Break the Twitch didn't actually come to be until about five years ago now. But uh, it was around the end of 2014 when I actually registered the domain and started writing about this stuff. But it was a few years before that that I had an epiphany light bulb kind of moment, and it all had to do with Amazon.com. Uh, the big thing for me was the one-click purchase button on Amazon. Now, I wasn't really buying these really big expensive things. I found myself in this pattern of buying small, just sort of here and there, cables, little gadgets, little pieces of equipment for things. And they were like, you know, 15, 20, 30, maybe $50. But realistically, it was just a lot of these kind of frequent small purchases. And it didn't feel that bad. Like it didn't feel like I was overspending. It didn't really feel because they were just small here and there. But there was a definite pattern of brown boxes showing up at my workplace and home and that kind of thing. Basically, after a discussion with Amy, seeing this pattern of things and looking at it more holistically, I ended up going into my Amazon account and downloading four years of my spending history. Oh boy. Yes, so it was <laughs> it was an eye-opening <laughs> moment and I recommend everyone do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's a very like face the truth kind of mm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went in there and, and found over four years about 350 orders. So if you can imagine, that's like an average of an order every couple days. Mm-hmm. And and at the very high end of the chart, because we made some lovely charts with it, the very high <laughs> end, there was one purchase that was about $950. And that was my laptop, mm-hmm. which I still have to this day. It's a 2012 MacBook Air. So Thank I still you, have man. it, yes. <laughs> and it's still my writing laptop and it travels with me. So, uh, so I still have it, it was a great purchase. But uh, that was at the high end and, and it drops off very quickly to where the, the average kind of thing, like I said, was 20, 30, 40 bucks. But what actually ended up happening is I totaled everything. And over that time, I had spent like $12,000 on Amazon. Oh. And and these were largely non-essential things, goods. They were non-essential uh, things that I didn't need, but like wanted or would be helpful for various things. And I was always wondering why I didn't seem to ever be able to like squeeze a trip for something that my friends were going on or like a family vacation or like the times and things that I always talked about valuing because everyone's like, oh, I loved, I want to travel the world. And, you know, we dream of these things and we talk about that being so aligned with our values. But then the actions I was taking simply did not align with those values. And that was the smack in the face moment of I am twitching my life away, (laughs) my money away. And, and the, all the things that I wanted to do were there in that list of stuff that I was just acquiring. And, and, uh, that connection, uh, the sort of overriding of the intention of the value I had with the small, easy actions I was taking became the Twitch that that was the idea. So break the Twitch became my exploration of how I could live more intentionally every day on a daily basis and explore habits, reducing 
clutter, reducing distractions really uh, through minimalism and, and, uh, and then exploring creativity in a day-to-day existence where we can get into a flow of not having these constant small distractions, be they financial mm-hmm. or, uh, or otherwise. So that's sort of how it all came to be and started as a blog and, and then became a YouTube channel and then this podcast and a book and mm-hmm. it's just been slowly evolving over the last five years. So did you find that when you noticed the Amazon thing, when you started looking into other areas of your life, was it a very similar pattern? It wasn't just Amazon. You're like, oh man, this is everywhere. The Amazon was the the very real, tangible, data quantifiable look into what the actual habit looked like this idea spread over into realizing that our smartphones become twitches checking our phones a hundred times a day which is apparently the norm for people um social media notifications posting checking uh it's been called sean blanc my friend of mine calls it the just checks Uh, like oh let me just just check really quick yeah yeah right (laughs) it really is more about the small the twitch is mm-hmm. about the unintentional, unproductive actions we take that do not align with the direction we see for ourselves. And they're everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. What made you, like, what was the moment where you were like, I definitely am going to look at my Amazon spending? Like, was it just a feeling all of a sudden or did was it a particular instance? Yeah, it it. I don't know if there was this like light bulb moment. We need to tally everything. But I think there did grow a curiosity of, wait, what is the real, what is the real impact here of all this stuff? And that was one really clear way to to find it. Mm -hmm. Uh, A really clear way to see what the total had been and, and how that could have been used in other ways (laughs) more productively. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's even more impressive than this huge, like traumatic moment because a lot of times that we kind of get forced into being happier and healthier with big bad Bad news yeah um but the fact that you just were able to just be curious and be like you know this is feeling a little off i'm gonna i'm gonna take a look at it like that's huge and i hope You recognize that because we go on, we just, it's so easy to go on autopilot and not want to go there, but to just be willing to do that without even knowing why exactly is pretty amazing. Thanks. Yeah. I, I don't know. There are some parts of this that are unknown to me in terms of like what and why exactly the actions that that took place happened. It just felt sort of like one step led to the next and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, Really, it was meeting Joshua Becker of mm-hmm. Becoming Minimalist and seeing him at a conference and learning about minimalism and tying the dots together, realizing that all the clutter, all of the distractions, the twitch, all of these things all wrapped into these concepts of to be happier, to to find our way, we have to remove distractions. We have to like actively design our environment, not just physically, but mentally, uh, to allow us and make it easier to do more of the thing that, that works better for us. And so it was this weird, like world smashing idea. Um, and that came months after 
the Amazon thing when I met Joshua and mm. when minimalism came into my life. And so it was all of these, this gradual sort of evolution of this idea, realizing that they all had something to do with each other yeah. and that they all could be really beneficial uh, in combination. In fact, I told my Amazon story up at that event when they asked for <laughs> audience participation, basically. Yeah. And and uh, in fact, Joshua said he was, he was like, "You should start writing about that." <laughs> so I did. <laughs> Thank you, Joshua. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your own origin story of of uh, naturally Randy K and how the podcast came about. It's another one of those things where it's a, a combination of a bunch of things over time. And um, I would say my own healing journey was can be quickly summed up with in high school, I got diagnosed, and I say air quotes, um, with depression. Because I feel like that's a risky thing to do for a teenager because there's so many factors to mental health. But it ran in my family. I filled out a 10-question questionnaire to my doctor, and he was like, you're depressed. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go cry about it now or something. You know, yeah. I don't know. So it's been uh, – ever since then, I've been on this, like, inner journey of figuring out how to just be a – a normal person in the world and not be so overtaken by my emotions and things. And so I, when I got diagnosed with depression, I went home and I looked it up and saw all the things and I'm like, well, this is it. This is who I am now. And I kind of just like took it on and was resigned to the fact that I would have to be on medication forever and like never really be happy. And then I went through like highs and lows of just being like in denial about it and all these things. And then it led to digestion issues and other health things. And so before I even got into the healing industry, I started my own healing and I did all the steps of treatment. And it wasn't until I got into more holistic things like changing my diet and doing yoga and um, all of these things where I I started to level up my healing and I definitely have a positive relationship with medication. Um, I don't think it's this horrible thing, but I think it, it can only get you so far and it can get you to a place where you can um, do the deeper work and really see where it is coming from for yourself. And so I kind of went on this healing, choose your own adventure <laughs> thing of like what what is going to work for me and the only because you know following some protocol of some doctor wasn't doing it for me and so by this point I was in my early 20s and that's when I started really doing self-care it wasn't a thing I didn't know that's what I was doing but I really took the time to tune into myself every day and honor how I was feeling and if I felt a little nudge here to go work with this practitioner or this healer, I would do that. And it, every time I listened to that, like wiser part of myself, it really helped. And I became happier and, and my, and it was sustainable. And I actually started like liking who I was and being like, this is fun. I love having this relationship with myself and, and honoring what I need. And this label of depression kind of just started 
fizzling away and it became actually a really powerful tool in knowing when I'm off. So if I'm feeling depressed or anxious, it's like, it's like when you get a shoulder pain, you know, something's off in your body and what can you do about that? So, so yeah, I, um, just for those of you that can't see Anthony's like I'm over clapping here like, and I'm like, Eric clapping. I'm like, yes, yes. I've learned to not interrupt so, yeah. during podcasts. I so I like, I don't use like, a, you know, like, uh, yeah. um, uh, active listening because yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to keep it, yeah. but I'm over here like, yes. I just want you guys to know that. Um, but so anyway, how that's evolved is I, on a whim, decided to go to massage school um, 11 years ago now. And then I started learning about the body and how it works and how I work. And it was this wonderful healing experience. And so fast forward into my practice, I would... And I also teach yoga now and, um, people would come to me and invest a lot of time and money in healing their pain and then go back into their everyday lives and recreate the pain. And it just became so apparent that it's your lifestyle that create, and it's your little choices, the twitches that you talk about that create who you are. And so I started writing about self-care and sending little videos and things to my clients and, making tools for them. And, um, if you couldn't tell by my sound of music reference earlier, yeah. I grew up a theater nerd. <laughs> and so I missed creatively, I missed producing and, and, um, I've always wanted a radio show. So I'm like, I'm going to try this podcast thing and use it as a way to keep educating and teaching people about self-care and that it is, not so complicated it's not this big grand gesture that takes a lot of time and resources it's in how you're choosing to sit at your desk what you're choosing to put in your body these things that don't take a lot of time and extra effort um so that's kind of the story behind the podcast and when and talking about self-care and simplifying it and when i realized that simplifying my health um was so much easier, it kind of translated into all these other areas of my life a long time ago now. I went through um, a divorce, and that's its own fun learning story for another time, but <laughs> it was relatively positive, and I moved back to Fargo from uh, Utah, and I just, I realized that all these things I had acquired with my um, partner just felt like it meant a lot. And then once that relationship ended, it was like, I didn't care about any of the stuff that we had. And so I sold it all and moved back home in my Subaru and got a studio apartment and um, basically started over. And I was like, this feels good. I don't, I'm just shedding and simplifying and figuring out who I am now, this new part of myself and part of my life. And then I also met a minimalist named Joshua. <laughs> Funny. Um, Joshua Fields Milburn and, well, it's Colin Wright. They were at a conference in Fargo called MisfitCon, and I was randomly a part of that. And we met, and I listened to their talks, and I was like, oh, there's like a movement, like a thing called minimalism that I'm already doing and already realizing. And I'm like, this is cool. And, and through befriending them and... Um, kind of using their verbiage all of a sudden it just I kept me going and um kept inspiring me to keep 
being more intentional about everything. So that was a long-winded <laughs> origin story, yeah. but there's a lot of like factors from my life that all kind of hand happened randomly to lead to this like very clear path that it's like, oh, I couldn't have planned it better, <laughs> you know, to learn all the things that I've learned. But mm-hmm. now it's all kind of coming together and in my business and what I can offer people. That makes sense. Totally. So. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you were talking about kind of the, you mentioned the relationship with self mm-hmm. and also the connectedness of like, uh, like if, if you talk about it physically, mm-hmm. it's like I have this kink in my neck, but really it's cause I'm not, my lower back is messed up cause I'm not sitting straight mm-hmm. or I have my wallet in my back right pocket and it's been throwing off my spine for the last 10 years Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know these sorts of things the connectedness uh was there like what was that like for you discovering the uh, like it's always the underlying thing right Mm -hmm. what was it like was there a moment you kind of discovered that connectedness of everything or like the from the diagnosis to like the your realization around the little things you're doing Yeah, I think it wasn't until I, because that was as a teen and that was so, I had all of these things. I had chronic headaches and digestion issues and all of this stuff. And I was just like, I'm just messed up. And I didn't think it was connected Mm. because we grow up in our culture, compartmentalizing areas of our body and thinking whatever. Um, And it wasn't until I started getting into more of the holistic way of looking at the body that I realized that they really were connected. Um, cause when I, when I nurtured my mood and mental health, my digestion eased up. And when I, you know, would do my yoga and eat well, then my depression got better. It was like everything just kind of worked together. And, and I think it was just noticing I was there, noticing that I, mind, body, soul was there and constantly in communication with each other, that it all started to make sense and it all started to connect the dots. And then working with my clients, like healing people's physical body pain every day, asking them about their lifestyle and asking different questions and helping them connect the dots too. It was just like, Duh. Like it all just starts to make sense. And like, there's so many times a client will come in and I'll be like, well, when did your shoulder start acting up? Did you have an injury or did you sleep weird or whatever? And they're like, no, not really. I'm like, well, what's going on in your life? Oh, well, my parent just died. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like this is a thing, you know, this is, there's no coincidence. And it, I mean, I think it's, it's cool to start really getting curious with yourself and finding those connections. It's a fascinating thing. When you mentioned that, I realized that my own, my own story of like money is very, uh, to me, it's an indicator. It's like a very surface level thing. I mean, obviously we, it can be in situations where money is like something's not happening or there's obviously stress around it. But for me in that particular situation, uh, there were so many, there's so much more to that story mm-hmm. of like, well, I spent a bunch in small amounts on Amazon, right? <laughs> and I feel like I, I wouldn't be uh, doing it justice in, in saying that that was the main thing. Now that you're giving me more context here, it's like I realized, and I, I haven't even really talked about this much, but throughout the years prior to that time, during that time, for me, 
I was like having a really hard time with follow through with completing projects because I had so many things going on and I was just like all over the place from one thing to the to the other and I just chased kind of the new shiny thing and that was very much the twitch or like the idea of just having so many things going on that I couldn't keep track of everything and and there was that sort of was in addition to this just kind of clicking to try to get things done the idea of just false first step like trying to or you know buy something as a first step towards developing a running habit i'd buy shoes or i would yeah. buy a yoga mat but never like have never stretched <laughs> you know like th these are the sort of things and and it was all of that that sort of built into basically a lifetime of frustration of being distracted feeling like i was constantly all over the place and uh that supported that Amazon story and is the deeper part of that, which yeah. I should probably really talk about more. <laughs> well, it's well, that's kind of why I asked that follow up question when you said that story is like, well, what, what else is going on or what did you notice mm -hmm. in other areas? Because these things are we have these signs from ourselves and our bodies all the time that something deeper is going on. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they come out in these ways of behaving that are kind of in our subconscious almost you know it's like mm -hmm. oh yeah i'll get this quick i'll do this here i'll check my notification da, 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 da. and i notice too when i'm in my when i'm i call them my funks when i'm in like my depression funks i i love checking my social media even though that also adds to it it's like anything i can do to not have to get off this couch right now and like do something else I'm going to do. And I, I, the blessing and the curse of becoming more intentional and self-aware is that you can see yourself doing it now. <laughs> right. And then you choose otherwise. <laughs> like you still are choosing into it, you know? Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is interesting to, to see what was going on that all of this, you know, I'm doing my twiddly fingers of <laughs> conjugating or whatever. Con what's the conjuring? Con yeah, conjuring. <laughs> You're conjuring or whatever. Yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> I was an English major. Don't judge me. Okay. Um, conjuring to then eventually release itself as buying stuff on Amazon. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. so fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Well, you you just mentioned daily the habits and the little things, right? So I feel like this perfectly ties in to the the next question for us, mm -hmm. which uh, which is, what are some of the daily habits, the things that maybe you saw that were not working for you and things you've done in your personal experience, or maybe if we speak more broadly, just about self-care and the kinds of things that the daily habits have what what might some of those be and and how what does that mean in your context of daily habits yeah like how can we bring it into the world like how can we bring these great ideas and things we know about ourselves and like actually work on them mm -hmm. in tangible ways um so i i just define self-care as the act of tuning into your true needs and then acting accordingly so it's not necessarily a particular habit or a specific thing and it and we can share our like some inspiration of what we do but um it's it's really come down to 
doing something to remind you to check in with yourself and how you're feeling and then being able to like turn up the volume on that inner wisdom part and then making a decision that's conscious. So a lot of times that can be helpful with a morning routine. I know morning routine, that topic's really sexy right now. But Super sexy right now. <laughs> so in right now. So in. Um, and it's great. But like, for example, with I do one-on-one mentoring with people on developing self-care habits and how it looks for them. Um, and, you know, people get so caught up in a morning routine of like, well, it's got to be perfect. Like, I'm going to wake up at this time and I'm going to write in my journal and then I'm going to make a nice breakfast and then I'm going to da da da. And, like, if that's what you can do and that's like natural and sane for you, like, go for it. But this woman I worked with, she's like, oh, my morning routine sucks. And I'm like, well, what do you do? And she's like, all I do is wake up and make some tea and read a book. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's amazing. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah. Like, how does it make you feel? I love it. It makes me feel good. I'm like, she's like, but I think I, I mean, I should be exercising and I'm not. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like (laughs) it's, it's really, what can you do to like ground yourself before the day? And so for me, I keep it from like my non-negotiable is like from five to 10 minutes that I can do anywhere and it's so simple and ridiculous that it like doesn't even make sense to why I'd like put it on my calendar or make it a priority. Mm-hmm. And so those are kind of like my qualifiers. And so to me, it's literally lighting a candle and sitting there and doing nothing. That's like my non-negotiable because I know once I get into my commitments for the day, it's like totally mm-hmm. booked and most of the time or it becomes and it's like that nothingness time is really important to me. So that's probably my number one thing is just, and then like sprinkling in times throughout your day, your lunch break, whatever, to be like, oh, hey self, what's up? What do we do now? And then acting on it, which isn't a sexy answer because people want to be told what to do. But anyway, how about you? What you said about your client was funny, saying that her her morning routine was bad. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny because sometimes I feel like a lot of this stuff can come back around habits, it can come back to bite us in a way, especially with the a lot of the information that's out there about it. And you see a routine that's like the 5 a.m. morning miracle. And <laughs> it's an entire book about why you should wake up at 5 a.m. and it changes your life forever. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's great for some people, but it's kind of funny how we can get into this place where, oh yeah, my thing is perfectly fine, but shouldn't there's this image out there of the better more perfect routine Mm -hmm. and that that is the answer and am i doing it wrong because everyone else is doing it this way it's it's a it's hard to step away from from that and be like wait this is working fine for me this is a good routine and keeping it really small and like just consistent and and just keeping it reasonable so that you can do it every day and it can be a non-negotiable and and uh, you can benefit from it. That's huge. And I found that in my own life as well. My morning routine looks a lot like just waking up and making coffee. Just the certain things around waking up, taking some time to just be present and awake because I'm not a morning person. And so it's easier for me to be up and lucid at night rather than first thing in the morning. 
So making sure that I have time to do that before anything major is happening in the morning that I have to be super on for are just some of the small things that help me along the way. Trying to not be on my phone in the morning is the, one of the biggest things. It's so tempting to just pick it up because your phone's your alarm and so you pick it up and then you're like, ooh, I have three notifications for this thing. But just allowing yourself the space to exist without knowing what else is going on in the world, I find really helpful too. So those are just a few of the little things, but it is interesting that that we tend to put so much pressure on ourselves to just do it right. Like what's the what's the answer? Just tell me how to do it, <laughs> right? And there is no one, especially for myself, I found there's no one answer to to any of this stuff. Around the idea of habits though, the the thing that I talk about constantly is the is the, I almost said Marie Kondo quote. It's totally not. It's uh, Annie Dillard and the how we spend our days is of course how we spend our lives. I think you mentioned something similar that I didn't really realize that just the small things we do each day are literally how we're living. It's, it's this is our lives happening now. And it's the small things we do in repetition that we will look back on and see as the blur of how we, we took care of ourselves, how we lived. And and that has been something that was definitely a moment when I read that quote for the first time and looked more about Annie Dillard and her writing, uh, that inspired me a lot to realize that like, no, 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 this is life now. I always had this mentality of, well, like later in my twenties, I can work on being more in shape. Like I'm still young ish and like, oh, well, you know, this or that. And you know, I'm almost 34 now and, and, uh, I remember seeing this ad on TV where this guy in his 50s was like, I haven't been in such good shape since my 30s. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a second. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> and so uh, just for me, a lot of this stuff around daily habits and practice has been realizing that like, oh, it doesn't matter if I just spend five minutes doing this, I will have done it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. Like that's kind of it. Yeah, a couple of things. There's a quote that I don't know where it originated, but it's common in the healing world is if you don't listen to your body whisper, then you'll have to hear it scream. Mm. And it's just so true. And so that's kind of a motivator for me is how can I listen to my body whispers? Like what are practices that I can do that allow me to tune into those little nudges? Like, hey, your tummy's been acting weird. Like, don't eat that pizza, you know, like things like that, because all of a sudden, you know, and even with the body, like with muscles and things, we end up can get major injuries that cost us so much time and money in the long run. And we know how we got there when it breaks. We're like, oh, I should have listened to that part. So that's become kind of a foundational idea for myself and what I teach others And the other thing I found helpful is to just have some sort of grounding structure to help you make a decision. And there's so many different philosophies, a lot. I mean, minimalism is a grounding structure that then trickles into all these areas of health. And I like that one, but I also have become a huge fan of following the seasons and using nature and what's happening in the natural world as a way for me to reflect on what I'm doing. And so when I moved back to Fargo, like six years ago, I moved back in October, which was like right before it gets real. And I was like, 
first of all, what am I doing? But second of all, if I can learn how to be happy in Fargo, North Dakota, in the winter, I can be happy anywhere. And so I started really giving into the Huga winter wellness, like let's embrace this to the max and see if I can actually like it. And I did. And every winter I feel like I enjoy it more and more. It still sucks a lot of the time up here, up north. Um, But it's like I use the changing of the seasons to reevaluate my self-care practices. And so whether it's this is something I'm going to take into the next season because it's working for me or, okay, it is summertime or springtime. Now I can, I'm going to do more cleansing, decluttering things because that's what everything and everyone else is doing. And that feels intuitive. So not only does it tune you, like give you a reason to reevaluate, but it is, it is a healing practice to connect with natural rhythms and natural cycles. And I've been really nerding out about that lately. Um, and teaching it more and more because it's so profound. And so that's one thing I always suggest when you're looking for a starting point or how to structure what's right for you is to have some grounding things, some overall, um, either you've heard it from a few different philosophies or, you know, you just kind of choose what you resonate with the most and let that serve as a some guidance, but then within that, you you get to make the call at the end of the day. I love the the idea of seasonality, and mm-hmm. that's especially true here in the Midwest, mm-hmm. where we have such clear, sometimes very clear. Right now, it's kind of weird. We're, we're gonna... Spring is like two seconds long. But... Yeah, yeah, but there is a very clear seasonality to mm-hmm. life and to the se- you know the literal weather of the the leaves falling off the trees and then cold and winter and this winter here in minneapolis specifically was really long it was a six month snowy kind of winter mm-hmm. and that was uh i'll miss the seasons i know but i've lived in the midwest my whole life at this point yeah. and i'm ready to have a little less of the winter side of things but i i love that you stepped in or leaned into the punch if you will of winter and found ways to embrace it that's that's really cool um and using that as a way to check in with yourself yeah and it works for i mean it works for every season that's the good news Mm -hmm. but it the every area has their own seasons so the cool thing about you moving to a warmer climate is that um you'll get to kind of realign yourself not only are you changing your entire life and your scenery and your pace but you get to tune into what the seasons look like out there and how you can act accordingly to that and seasons also are um seasons of life too right so it's you know for young parents a lot of i work with young parents for self-care and it's like (laughs) chaos a lot of the time but it's also like this is a season of your life where you're probably not going to have a lot of time for some more luxurious practices that's not a bad thing it's just it is what it is right now and embrace it, work with it, find your pockets of things that are really enjoyable or do self-care with your kids, which is super powerful. And then, and then I work with people that are retiring and now they're in a new season. They have to get to know themselves when they're not defined by their work and across the board, like the seasonal mindset has 
been so healing for me in accepting my own path when things didn't go according to plan. Um, so it's like, I just love it because it's like literally, but then like figuratively. But mm-hmm. so what would you say you use as your kind of guideposts for your own practices and what's next for you when it comes to taking care of yourself? Yeah, th- this is something that I, so I worked with a wonderful coach, John Polstra, for about a year and a half, uh, about a year ago. And he, uh, he and I would always call these the, the, the batting cages, like going back to the batting cages. Like what is, if things are all goofy and you're feeling kind of off and, and you're not sure what's going on, like going back to the, the key indicators and the basics of like, is your laundry overflowing? Is, you know, are, is your clothing? Cause I'm recondoed all of my drawers and it looks really nice. And my mother would never believe it, <laughs> you know, having grown up with, you know, <laughs> having yeah. had me grown up with in her household. Uh, but I totally bought into the, the style of folding and how everything looks. And when that is off, when my drawer is exploding or something's not working or I'm not using my systems in a very physical sense, that for me is a, an indicator. It's like a little warning light, like a dash light on a car that tells you the en- something's weird with the engine. You need to pay attention here. And it's those sort of things. If I'm not feeling particularly uh, energized or motivated, if I'm feeling down, like knowing, right, if I'm just scrolling on my phone, it's not because I'm lazy. It's usually because there's something else going on or I'm feeling some fear around doing something that I'm, I'm very hesitant to do or I'm feeling the resistance to doing something. Stephen Pressfield talks about in the art of uh, the war of art. It's like the resistance to doing the creative work. Like, what is that? It's not just not wanting to do it. It's, well, I'm afraid of how this might be perceived or like I'm not sure I'm good enough to put this out yet or whatever it is. And And so a lot of my sort of indicators have been physical in nature because when my space is organized and when things are more tidy, I function better up here in my brain (laughs) gets more organized and it, it works better. That's why minimalism has been really helpful for me. But those are just the sort of things in terms of the self care and making sure that like what is happening around me, and what are the batting cages where I just need to, if I'm not hitting in big games, right? Like to use the baseball analogy, which I don't really watch sports, but <laughs> to use the baseball analogy, if I'm striking out in important games, I just have to go back to the batting cages, back to the basics, just get that swing back. And, and that has been really impactful in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think that's really great. And a point I wanted to touch on is just like, how do we you know, you go through that initial level of knowing you need to make a change. And so you do all these things and you declutter your house and you, you know, cleanse your diet and you do all the stuff. And then a lot of times it's easy to just expect that, okay, I'm great now. Like I'm healed, you know, like I've got it all figured out, but really like it, that, Healing is nonlinear, you know, there's always another layer. There's always a deeper place to go. And then things happen in your life where you're going to have to recalibrate and course correct and figure out a new normal. And I remember my dad, when he retired, 
I was like, okay, so like, what's next for you? And he's like, you know, I'm just, I just got to figure it out. I just got to figure out who I am. And I'm like, no big deal. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but you're like 60 something years old and you've like had a whole lifetime. Like now, you know, he's like, no, you don't. <laughs> he's like, you, you never have it figured out. And to some people that might seem depressing, but to me, it was actually really freeing because it took the pressure off having to do it right, have the right system, the right practice, the da, da, da. And I've gotten caught up on that. Like I'm, I'm more of a free spirited person. So I'm very resistant to structure and, and systems, which I like the nature thing. That's like a little bit whimsical, you know, but, um, I guess I'm curious as to like your tips on once you have kind of, you've gotten to know yourself, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses, your, your, where you're at, but how do you, I guess, maintain that and keep that twitch from coming back, like setting in those structures and sequences. And you already mentioned it, but maybe if you have any more thoughts on just like that idea of accepting that you don't always have it figured out. You're not a pro all of a sudden. <laughs> like it's yeah. a continual <laughs> journey. Yeah. The, the sticking with it part of all of this, once the, the changes are implemented, once you've decluttered a bunch, how do you stop the influx of new things coming into your house? How do you keep up the self-care that is doing great things for you? One of the, the biggest things I think for me, it has been establishing sort of a, a baseline of sorts. One, going back to the idea of decluttering, of making it not just like a big boom of, of energy of get rid of everything in the whole house. And then, and then trying to go back to normal living and living in this way. Now it, life for me has never worked that way where it's like one huge effort on any one particular day is going to make a massive change. It it's like, uh, I've always kind of joked around Newton's third law, the equal and opposite reaction. Mm. Anytime we, make some massive change. Like we go to the gym, we're like, all right, the first time I'm going, I'm hitting that treadmill and you run 15 miles and you haven't done anything in years, you're gonna feel pain. And that's like, you put out the big action and then there's a painful reaction that comes with it. And so part of that I think also is going slower, being kind to ourselves. That's huge. Right? <laughs> and and really taking it step by step and allowing it to make small, sustainable changes over time uh, that that actually creates the most lasting stick to it What do you say about English major? <laughs> uh, I like it. <laughs> stick to it uh types of changes. Mm -hmm. And and that's been the case. And I've seen evidence of it throughout my life that when I do some drastic thing that that I think is going to make some major change because I'm frustrated about how things are mm -hmm. uh it just doesn't stick and and so the biggest thing has been smaller and more consistent just like the non-negotiables making it it shouldn't have to be something you you pep yourself up to do like it should just be walk around the block or go get the paper at the end of the driveway or just something that consistently shows up in life and 
we don't have to feel so much resistance to doing it and we can always add on from there. Yeah, well, with the small and simple things, um, that's really what it's boiled down to for me as well. If you think about your pain or your situation, any pain point in your life, it more often than not, it got there from small and simple habits compounding over time. And so it makes sense that the way to counter that is through the small and simple habits compounding over time. But it's amazing how we, for some reason, are like, oh, no, that doesn't matter. But it's like, yeah, it does. It's the opposite of what you've already proven to yourself, yes. you know? So I'm, I'm definitely a big, I mean, that's why it's called the Simple Self-Care Podcast. Like, that's why I use that word so much is um, because it doesn't mean it's easy, but it's definitely, oh, there's just so much wisdom in that. And that little, the little bits. Um, but it's interesting with the whole sustaining your progress topic is even with minimalism, I feel like I'm in a recalibration mode because I made all of these strides and really got myself to a nice place with it. And then I got remarried and <laughs> like moved in uh, with him obviously. And, um, our house for some reason, like we had my stuff and then his stuff. And then his mom was moving across the country. So she unloaded a bunch of stuff. We had stuff from the previous owners. We said they could, um, keep one piece of furniture there and they left a ton of stuff. We had his roommate that had moved out. Like we, all of a sudden I had like five people's stuff in my living area and it, was so crazy. <laughs> I was like, oh, it was the yeah. exact opposite of what I felt like I had been working up to. And then at that point, that same point, I had just opened my own brick and mortar studio, 2000 square feet, um, for my healing studio in Fargo. And so I was painting that and getting stuff for that. And like, and then we got a dog. <laughs> like, it was just like <laughs> the past three years have felt like, everything coming into my space that just happened so quickly. And I was focusing on building a business and all being married, like all this other stuff that when that all of a sudden I was like, this is not in alignment with how I want to be living. And it's not necessarily like that I disconnected from my life. It's just life happens. Things come into your space. And then you, if you're not really diligent about, about it, it just, Blah. So I'm finally at a point where all this other new life stuff have like simmered down. And this summer I'm like, really, it's like the one thing, my season, my summer season is just refining my living situation again to feel like, to come back to where I want it to be. And at first I was really pissed about it. <laughs> and I was like, how did I let myself get to this point and I say I'm this minimalist and then like my basement like you know like all this judgment but it's like whatever it's life and it's it life. and it happened and so all I can do is just move forward from there instead of being like well there goes being a minimalist there goes da 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 and then just like letting it it's just like no like whatever it just taking the pressure off moving forward with kindness like you said and like understanding and just redoing and refining and having now, uh, I get to learn more about how I feel about my space and my life now. And 
I am actually kind of excited about it. I'm excited to paint the walls. I'm excited to clean. I live in a hundred year old house, so there's all sorts of mysteries and <laughs> things to discover in our yard and, and stuff. So as far as that goes, it's been really humbling. Um, especially as a teacher of principles, it's like you kind of can beat yourself up when you don't practice what you preach all the time. But I think, I think sharing the process and continuing to be in the process and in the journey is still practicing what I preach. And, and I'm getting more comfortable with sharing those parts of myself because I feel like that's just as important than the information itself. So yeah, I'm, and so listening to your podcast right now has actually been really great reminders. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, that habit's come back. Oh yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, so. Totally unreasonable to expect that we can control every aspect of our lives. There are very clear cut things that we can directly control. And it's great to make some changes around those things. And sometimes things will slip back in or you'll reinstall Instagram and, you know, mm -hmm. be on there more. And, and then we know we kind of need to take a break talking about some of the awareness that you were mentioning and, and things like that. But there is just a huge chunk of life, especially when it comes to other people, spaces, things like that, that you're sharing, you can't control everything. And it's, it's ridiculous to think that we could. And the more effort we put on trying to wrangle that, it it almost takes away from the things we can control. And and so hearing about that, it's like, no, this is totally, yeah, I, I hear you. It's like, this is totally normal. You had this massive life change, marriage and moving in and, and then, you know, having the space and all these circumstances that came with it. And that is so very much a part of the process. And it's, it's cool that you're uh, feeling excited to like, redefine and reshape mm -hmm. in this season now because that's that's really what this is I, I just i don't think any of this stuff the self-care or finding um intentionality day to day for me this has not been like a just a straight up curve you know if you're like investing like compound interest it just dun, 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 yeah, and it just goes up <laughs> even the stock market right all everything uh there are years that are down 30 percent, and then hopefully you know a year you get a nice return and it makes up for it but it's very not linear uh it's very much this weird ebb and flow of life and and that's been the case for me too uh, right now it's just my habits around production and around doing videos for YouTube in this particular time in mid-May of, of uh, 2019 have been terrible. Like my production on YouTube stuff has been slower than it has been in a long time. Uh, I've been so much more up in the air with selling this house and feeling stress about even that process and all these different things. And uh, I sort of have realized that it's just um, the idea of the perfect minimalist is not... A, not maybe a real thing. No. Uh, perfect anything. Perfect anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's the big one. I think that, that we need to, to throw out the door. But all that being said, I, I do think that the idea of small, steady, like you mentioned, and we were talking about, it's, it is interesting because to use another money or investing analogy, we, we want to like trade stocks and, and, try to hit it big and, or like make a bigger return. Now we want it to happen like 
right now. Mm-hmm. And it's been proven time and time again that you invest broadly and you leave your money in the market and you will beat anything you could do over the years, right? By just not touching it. Yet we want it sooner now when realistically the small changes over a longer period of time and just kind of being consistent with it is actually what creates these huge life changes that we see in other people. And we're like, how are they doing that? Well, they've been making videos since they were 12 and they're 25 or they went to film school and, you know, did this and like, but I just started a year ago. I want to be really good now. And like, why can't I do this? And it just, we have to be realistic with ourselves, I think during those times. And, and, uh, and, and just like we've both said, no, be kind about how we approach these things. Yeah. One of my mantras right now is that I can't do all of the things all of the time. Mm-hmm. Like I literally can't. And so even with my own podcast, having to come out with episodes every other week, you know, as I recalibrate things going on, like it's, it's just okay. You know, it's just you can't, you really can't do everything. And that's the beautiful thing about having a practice of these principles is that when things get chaotic, you can come back to them and be like, okay, I'm going through this time of everything's up in the air, da da da, you're moving all this stuff. What can I do that's important? And just let the rest go. You know you're going to come back to it. And if you don't come back to it, then it wasn't meant to be anyway. And it was nice to have a break to realize that, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just, I just think, I just think that all the time lately is like, even with the, like, even with the self-care stuff I want to be doing right now, it's like, well, I can't do all the things, but I'm doing something and that's what matters. And I just, I literally just shrug my shoulders and I'm like, okay you know and just let it be a a more casual thing instead of being like how could you let yourself get to this point and and look what so-and-so is doing you know it's just it's just so pointless guilt and shame and all of those emotions like they're there they're real Mm -hmm. but they're but they're also not real (laughs) it's also like there's so many external factors that are influencing our situation and it's like when we can approach with that gentleness and that understanding it's just like okay thank you mind for sharing these strong feelings i'm gonna have a conversation with them now figure out what they're about and i'll make a decision from there instead of really feeding into that guilt and not being enough and all that yeah, the, the the shame factor, the guilt factor around this stuff can be huge. It can just make everything worse, actually, uh, and feed into a cycle of, oh, I really shouldn't be on Instagram and, or whatever. You know, I really shouldn't be doing this right now or, oh, I'm better than this. I shouldn't be doing this. And feeling the, the kind of just negativity around that. And then it feeds into wanting, basically just falling down like a, like a shame spiral kind yeah. of and and uh it is crazy because a lot of the things are designed to to manipulate us in this this way um social media right the the different apps we use phones uh, the tech in our lives a lot of it is revenue based on ads and ads need to be seen and so there's literally a direct relationship between how much time we spend on these different apps and things, and then uh, how much money the companies make 
So they're using all kinds of different psychological tactics to, to get us to use them more and more and more. So it's not like we're failing if we're using the thing that they're designing to take advantage of uh, us with, right? It's, it's very much a thing. Is, is there a way that you approach this kind of thing around shame and managing that and looking at it holistically and being like, okay. Yeah. I think what has been really empowering for me is studying the body and studying the mind and how things are wired. And when I have an understanding of that, I can work with it and I can be gentle when things aren't going how I think them to go, right? So The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg was a huge game changer for me because he talks about the wiring that happens in the brain to create a habit and like things to do to work with that um, that's going on without us even knowing. Um, So I really loved that. And then learning about trigger point therapy and pain patterns in the body of that pain is a signal going from the brain to the muscles or what or other systems and for some reason that pain response gets triggered based off of trauma overuse or underuse smells emotions certain people walk into the room the body doesn't feel safe and so it tenses up to try to protect and so if we just sit there and force ourselves to like relax body or like, why won't my neck pain go away? Or we try to just get somebody to fix it by digging an elbow into the muscle and hoping for the best and then being frustrated that I can't do anything. You know, it's like, you got to work with the pain signal and you got to know what the triggers are and you got to explore a little bit. And then you, and then the muscle just relaxes. There's so many times I've learned Um, techniques that I've learned and I do even in my yoga classes, breathing differently while you stretch that signals to the brain that it's safe to relax. And then people are amazed at how much more flexible they are because their body isn't holding tight because all of a sudden you're stretching now. Ah, what, you know? And so it's like studying the body and, and how it actually works and why it works has really helped me detach from the expectations that I have on myself of being like, okay, Monday, I'm going to be a new person. I'm going to have all these great habits. And then beating myself up at the end of the week for not doing them. It's just completely bonkers to even have that expectation. And there was a podcast episode you mentioned, you had with your wife where you talk about your habits. And um, we have a similar approach of like, um, you know, you have your ideal habit of like going to the gym or something, but baby stepping your way there, like backtracking and backtracking and backtracking and making sure you're doing the most simple, easiest thing first. And then when you can do that, then you can level up and level up and level up and be, instead of being like, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week for an hour. And if that seems overwhelming, I always say this, if you think of self-care and it's overwhelming, it is not the self-care for you. Like that is not, that is a warning sign that that's not where you're at. If you, a lot of times with my clients, when we decide on something, it's so simple or whatever. And they're like, oh, that's fun. I'm excited. I can't wait to try it. That's the key. That's how you know that that's your starting point. And so, yeah, science. I don't know that I'm not a sciencey person, but like really learning what the reality is of what's going on and educating myself is takes that victim role away from it and takes that judgment away from it. Mm 
Definitely. There's always room to learn more. It never kind of, I've found at least at this point, it's never ended. It's never been like, well, I know everything about myself and yeah. I know how I'm going to respond to all these things and how I work best in every situation. And you learn more and more. And I feel like I know more than I ever have before about how I work best and things like that. But I still, I still struggle with things, you know, every now and then. I mean, yeah, I mean, just, you know, whatever. like once in a, once in a Catch while, <laughs> uh, you know, things are difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but, but yeah, it, it is, uh, it is just kind of like this continual learning process of, of self and, and figuring this stuff out, I think is, is what makes it beautiful and, and interesting and, uh, a challenge worth pursuing. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that you brought up the apps that we're using are they bring in psychologists to to like create these addictive things. So there's just so much going on intentionally with them and unintentionally with us and it's this recipe for disaster really. And you have talked about too how the things that are unhealthy for us are getting easier and the healthy things are getting harder just a simple lifestyle thing. And so it's like, you gotta cut yourself a break. Like the odds are really working against us. Yeah. We're, we're trying to exist in an environment that is continually being designed to get us to, well, in a capitalist society where we, we live in a society that's driven by consumption and spending. And there is an ever increasing way of studying and trying different things to get us to to live in that way and the other interesting part too is that because everything's so online now everything is super analytics driven so there's a huge sample size if there's a billion people on facebook facebook knows exactly what post it was that you stopped looking at when you left they know exactly, right. So they know exactly how long you spent each time. If you spent more time in the morning, if you were more likely to watch a video at this particular time, all of the, this high level of analytics is usable at a, a level of looking at mass quantities of sample sizes. And then they go, okay, well, we're not going to put that kind of post after this kind of post. And the person will be more likely to stay longer. Like literally at that level of experimenting with emotional manipulation, uh, it's crazy. And, and here we are, we're like, I just, I'm on Facebook too much. It's like, yeah, what, you know, (laughs) it's not your fault. Like, you know, the, the, this is being manipulated at every level of human psychology with professionals who are on the payroll at Facebook designing elements to make this happen and using pure data from everything they know about how things get used. Do you ever, when you open Instagram, does it ever show you something right when you open it and then re-scramble? Yeah. Okay. I always thought that that was an issue with the app where it would be updating. That's what I thought. I think, I have a theory. I'm not confirming this. Yes, I love conspiracy theories. But I have a theory (laughs) that that is an intentional thing that it shows you a post from someone you're close to or really know and then it buries it so that you have to To go go look for it i do that i do too because i see the thing and then the feed refreshes and i'm pretty sure that's by design yeah i believe it that's insane so you're onto something anthony right it it has (laughs) to be because like come on you're telling me that this 300 billion dollar 
company or whatever, you know, however big it is, can't figure out how to get the app to properly load just when you open it with your fresh posts. True. Well, if this part of the conversation mysteriously gets deleted, we know for we sure. We know for sure. I got to go get my tinfoil hat really yeah. quick. Where is it? Yeah. I got one for you. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, the other thing is that the cool thing about knowing this, I mean, the initial reaction is like, I'm never going on Facebook again and screw you guys and all this stuff. But everything can be used for good and for bad. And I think for me, there has been really meaningful relationships that I've created through Instagram, yes. through Facebook, through being able to connect on a global level very easily. So I've definitely had moments in my life where I'm like, I am done with this. I am, you know, but it's like, it's just figuring out how you can have some structures in place, some boundaries for yourself. So it doesn't become an overpowering negative thing in your life. Know why you are on it. Don't feel bad for unfollowing people and um, you just have some ground rules so it, it can still remain something fun and a way to connect in a meaningful way. It's We live in such an all or nothing mentality. It's very Puritan yeah. way of doing things, yeah. But it's like it takes a little bit more work and a little bit more self-discipline, but self-discipline is something that can be learned and acquired and actually become easier for the for your brain to do and so uh, this is an adventure that i'm on currently <laughs> i'm not a very self-disciplined person but setting those boundaries with social media i mean sometimes it does it is good to take like a full-on break from it to just kind of reset yourself love the um, detox like a 30 day just to yeah sort of step away that from can it. be nice but it's also like what if by 5 p.m you're not on it anymore or what if Sunday is just social, net, you're just free of social networks? Like, how doable does that sound? You know, and it, it makes a huge difference. So, again, it's like, know why you're doing something, know why you want it in your life. It's just being intentional and, and things can work for you. Definitely. Yeah. The tech free Tuesday, screen free mm -hmm. Sunday, whatever, whatever it is, it's creating yeah. some of these things <laughs> that really it's a huge help balancing it week to week, mm -hmm. month to month or whatever it may be. And you can create some of those experiments to make it happen. It yeah. Works well. I do a no TV July. Um, because it's July in right. North Dakota. Right. Like yes. <laughs> you gotta enjoy that over the years I've become like you know, cause we have some family gatherings in July and we watch a movie or, you know, things like that. But there was a point one July where I was binging Netflix and I was like, why am I doing this? Why am I not outside right now or doing something else in these precious summer months? And so that's a boundary I like to set and, and I have fun with it every year. So that's great. You know, super smart. Well, uh, I would say thanks for coming on the show, but what I'll say instead is thanks so much for having this conversation with me and, and uh, sharing your, your thoughts and wisdom with uh, my audience and yours. Yeah, thanks for letting me crash your living room. <laughs> I just sent you a text. Can I come down this weekend? And it's you're perfect. Like, yep. <laughs> so thank perfect. you for making space, and I'm excited to share this with the world. Likewise. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Randy Kay. 
a holistic health practitioner and educator that has been helping people heal through bodywork, therapeutic yoga, and self-care coaching for over a decade. My mission is to help people simplify the healing journey by amplifying their own inner wisdom and teaching seasonal self-care practices. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or post it on social media. And if you do that, please tag me so I can see it and connect with you that way at Naturally Randy K. You can also commune with me via email if you sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter, The Simple Letters. You can sign up at naturallyrandyk.com slash newsletter. That's naturally, R-A-N-D-I-K-A-Y dot com slash newsletter. And hearing from you in some way totally makes my life and I always make sure to personally respond. And be sure to join me next time as the self-care conversation continues. Until we meet again, take good care and enjoy the journey.